Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, hey, it's the Hidden Yardage Podcast right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin, and we used to be your source for Cowboys versus Buccaneers for a month before it happened, and now we're your source for everything Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator related, because it always seems to happen whenever we, we've submitted the rundown for our podcast. Isn't that right, Sean? Hey, I'm, well, let me just say, I'm going to have to start asking you and David Hellman, one of our fellow BTBers, for winning lottery tickets because, I mean, you you and him are just on sync as far as getting ahead of these things and knowing what the team is going to do, I think, before they know what they're going to do. So, yeah, subscribe to this show if you want to know what's about to happen and, uh, you know, harass David Hellman in the Twitter DMs if you need the Powerball numbers. Yeah, and uh, if you want to know uh, what Cowboys are born on your birthday, hit me up in the DMs at the real Mark Lane on Twitter. If you want analysis on uh, where the Cowboys should go in free agency, how they should enjoy their little slice of pie, DM Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. I know we've done this before, but we did the whole favorite pie flavors thing, right? And I think you gave me like some outlandish answer to threw the whole show off. So we're not going to do that again. But what was it? Just refresh the audience. What was your favorite pie? Pumpkin. Oh, okay, that's not so outlandish. I don't know why I remember you saying something absurd last time, but yeah, pumpkin's a fine choice. Well, there's a uh, peanut butter pie that my what? brother-in-law enjoys, but um, you you know well, you that, got... that sounds amazing. I need to know about that. My favorite would be apple, probably. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, apple's not that bad of a pie. By the way, um, because as I said, uh, you know, it's always like I submit the rundown, and then some kind of breaking news happens that uh, throws the whole show off. I'm going I have subscribed to the IBS news service which will send us the latest up to date accurate breaking news to help us here on the Hidden Yardage podcast not say something, you know, that's canned and sounds like it's in the past and we may as well be talking about uh you know uh what uh you know, who's going to look well at the Combine once the Mayflower lands at <laughs> Plymouth. So uh, instead of doing that, we have the IBS news service that's going to help us out with that. So they'll send in a breaking news bulletin, and then I'll just read it on the air. So just look out for that throughout the course of the podcast. But what's for now is Brian Schottenheimer gets promoted to offensive coordinator. Now everybody's talking about, well, that's why he was brought on the staff and, well, I saw this coming. Really? What about last year when Ben McAdoo had the same role? I think that McCarthy 
has been planning to do this for years, and now he was able to do it. Why else do you think Ben McAdoo was hanging out last year virtually in the same role? It wasn't just to help Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn turn the page to be able to get ready for the next week's opponent. I think it was to just kind of get a crash course and observe uh, the operation and the offense and get ready to go with Dak Prescott. Yeah, I was really planning on going more, you know, scorched earth on this when it comes to just, you know, the frustrations of how this team hires and the staff and the way they're going to be setting their ways in offense. But it just comes back to how upset can you really get about an offensive coordinator hire who's not going to be calling the plays. And so that's exactly it. You know, it's a fancy title. It's a promotion from a previous fancy Last fancy, though, maybe title that Schottenheimer just had, which is, you know, offensive analyst or quality control type work, something along those lines. So, yeah, it's hard to get too upset about this move. What is understandably frustrating that Cowboys fans are voicing on, you know, Twitter and elsewhere, and of course at BTB, is, you know, this team was so close to selling the signs of really wanting to change in the ways that we've been begging for years and so that this offseason was going to be different. And the Kellen Moore firing was a big step towards that, to move on from him after you had, you know, the high ranks in offense once again, and to be able to look at the Chargers' Twitter account, tweeting out, you know, how good the Cowboys' offense was under him. Usually we're used to seeing that from the Dallas Cowboys' account, saying, you know, we know the season ended poorly, but look how good Kellen was. We're going to bring him back, and we would have been ready to run it back. I know I expected him back, and I think you did as well. So we were so ready to praise them for, Moving on, trying to get better for the sake of, you know, taking that risk and letting McCarthy call plays. But now we know that, you know, for better or worse, this is the McCarthy show. And you'd like to see him go more all out and bring in more outside voices and make this a, you know, homogenous type of coaching staff where you get the best voices from everywhere as opposed to just this is the McCarthy show and we know exactly what's going to look like. And we usually kind of know where those seasons end. I mean, yes, he had the Super Bowl season, but every other season in there, with McCarthy and the Packers kind of fell in a pretty tight little bell curve to know where the Cowboys may go from here. So yeah, it is a little bit frustrating from that standpoint where you would hope they would continue after the Kellen Moore news to pursue, you know, some different ideas, but really the offense, I don't think is going to look all that much different. You can say Sottenheimer calls, you know, more of the McCarthy type routes, uh, route tree for the receivers when it comes to slants and digs and types of things that you're not accustomed to with more, where it was all stops and comebacks. So yeah, you will see that, and that is going to be a welcome change, but it could have been changed for the much better if they were willing to stick their neck out just a little bit more. But nonetheless, Schottenheimer was in the building last year, and he gets to take over and stay in the building in a new title that doesn't have all that much of an impact. But last week you were saying that the first down and second down pass production should look better with the McCarthy offense, which is Schottenheimer will ostensibly be running. Right. You know, it, it, we're going to find out, I guess, a little bit more about like just how much influence Schottenheimer had compared to Pete Carroll when they were both together in the Seahawks offense. You know, I'd like to think it was Pete Carroll who you know was dictating some of the same tendencies that made the Seattle offense look like the Dallas offense in a lot of ways, which 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 was early down runs and, you know, more of that focus on the run game and 
play conservative in the past game. So I'd like to think more of that was Carroll. And you're not saying that Sondheim is going to get a full chance to sign and so what he can do being out from the range under Pete Carroll now that this is the McCarthy show, as we'll iterate a million times. But yeah, he is going to have a little bit of a role and an influence in McCarthy's ear when it comes to just scheming the best possible offense to uh, you know, really maximize the talent that they're going to have at receiver because I don't think we expect we expect him to go too crazy in free agency at receivers, so it's still going to be you know a group that needs some development and some work, and so McCarthy and Sottenheim are going to have to find a way to squeeze every bit of upside out of whatever they're working with around CDLM at receiver. Yeah, because it, remember, uh, Schottenheimer, he was the offensive coordinator in charge when in 2020 in Seattle they had that phrase of let Russ cook. I mean, you know, that's who the offensive coordinator was. That's who was around when all those complaints were around. And now it'll be a lot Dak Cook. And you know, I don't think that was ever a problem too much, though, in Kellamore's offense. I think it was a problem of, you know, he he has the range to cook, but what are the ingredients you're giving him to cook with? He's trying to make a, you know, five-star meal out of, you know, some boxed macaroni and cheese because you're asking receivers to beat double coverage and, run up against the defense and knows what route is coming and you're asking him to throw, you know, passes in overtime to Noah Brown and end in game-ending pick sixes. So that's why I just said that's the area where you have to improve more as opposed to the coaches. Now, I don't want to go as far as saying I could care less about the coaches and coaching does matter in this league a whole lot. And, you know, I think you were onto something again as early as last week to really get ahead of this when it comes to talking about when this team can move on from McCarthy. I think that's something we can bring back up as far as they've set themselves up for a clean slate to know that, you know, McCarthy has a lot of coaches that he picked in the building. So you can just clean house if this thing doesn't work. And, you know, McCarthy will turn around and say, well, you didn't give me the players. So that's why it's more about the personnel on the field this offseason because they just simply weren't good enough going up against that really good San Francisco defense. And as uh, we turn our attention from the Cowboys offensive coordinator situation Guess what this week is, Sean? It's Super Bowl Media Week. It's Radio Row. It's everybody. It's all the junkets. It's everybody going to every interview ever to promote their vitamin, uh, you know, drinks and all this stuff. And yeah. buy my exclusive uh, Kevlar cup holder that you can put in your center console and all this. Uh, but with that comes just the storylines. Uh, because even though it's Kansas City versus Philadelphia, it's always the Dallas Cowboys, no matter what. So what three storylines about the Cowboys are you loathing already? So I'll be honest, I came up with my first two for this right away, and I struggled a little bit with a third, and then it came to me like, oh, this one's kind of obvious. So my third, though, doesn't feel as good, but the first two were so easy, and we have to start at number one. Any and all Dak Prescott discourse. I mean, the fact that he's still dominating talks of these national talk shows and headlines, and I'm sure it'll continue this week of, you know, oh, here's Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, and is Prescott in that tier? And, you know, hey, next year, what teams do we expect to see here? How, how likely are any of these teams to repeat? Or is Joe Burrow going to get back? Is Josh Allen going to get back in the AFC? You know, they have kind of a supremacy battle going on at the quarterback position in the AFC, and in the end, it always seems to be Mahomes right now still, but any and all Dak Prescott discourse needs to be put put aside for now. Wait wait patiently to see what, you know, the Cowboys can get around him, give him more to work with a receiver, just like the Eagles did for Hurts, and look how that worked. 
just like the Chiefs have done about Mahomes, even though you know nobody should try to replicate having something like Pat Mahomes. He's truly a one-of-one quarterback, but I don't see any way you can start this list without saying that you're tired of Dak Prescott discourse in general. Yeah, I agree with you on that, but I'm going to give you a different take. It's not so much that there's going to be Dak Prescott talk. I think it would be odious to Cowboys fans if the talk originated with something Micah Parsons was saying. I think if Micah Parsons gets out over his skis and says something about Dak Prescott, that's going to really irk Cowboys fans. And that's my number one thing that I'm not looking forward to this Super Bowl week. It is, you know, defensively, the Cowboys now, the best news of the offseason so far is still likely that you're able to retain Dan Quinn, who, you know, must be smiling at the Schottenheimer offense, like watching this thing, like, hey, I can go be the head coach of a sinking ship in Arizona, or I can go work for Jim Osei, or I could kind of just keep an eye on how this McCarthy-Schottenheimer thing goes and and then be ready, you know, in a position to take over the Dallas Cowboys. So you might be making the right call here, but... Whereas it was more of a surprise he came back last year and it was kind of an adjustment on the fly to be a defensive-minded team and everything that came with that. You know, now you can really lean into being a defensive team. And that doesn't mean, and I'll keep hitting this, you know, over and over again, doesn't mean you don't try to improve on offense and that they don't have to make changes there to be competitive. And, you know, you don't expect to put up points because Prescott's your quarterback and all that is fine. But, yeah, this is the offseason where you can really just buy into how do you win with this defense? How do we know that this is the strength of the team? And, you know, so that gets to what you're saying with the defense building up and knowing they can carry this team. They just need a little bit of help from the quarterback. If at times they're not getting that in the biggest moments, whether it's a playoff game or, you know, a divisional rival type of game where Prescott's usually been so good, yeah, that can create a little bit of a little bit of tension that we kind of heard some whispers of at the end of this past season. My second storyline um, is – just a situation where, you know, Mike McCarthy's doing one of these shows and uh, he just says something real, you know, Pittsburgh tough. You know, like, you know, I'm not going to back down from no fighter. I'm not going to back down from my convictions or something like that, which then gets turned into, oh, wow, he's not getting along with the Joneses. Yeah, my number two is, it does have to do with the Joneses as well, actually, and it's that Jerry will do anything to be back here. I mean, aren't we tired of hearing that too? It's just, it's not, it's objectively not true at this point. Like, you know, Joey X put in the work on Twitter, great Cowboys follow to, you know, look at the roster building from the Chiefs and the Eagles and compare it to Jerry's comments about how he likes to be more, you know, right in the middle, keep the product always consistently successful. And then, you know, because of that sustained success, you could have a year where you can break through. Well, the Eagles and Chiefs both still have a future is pretty much the point X was getting at. Whereas they didn't go, you know, they feel like they're all in this year and this might be their best chance to go win it right right now. And you know, the Chiefs, you can certainly say they'll have multiple opportunities going forward simply because of Pat Mahomes. I don't know if there's a player in NFL history that gives you more of a chance just because of who he is as one individual player than Mahomes, by the way. It just feels like, you know, all the great quarterbacks, they always needed something around them. But like Mahomes, the only guy who runs out on the field, it's like, hey, we can make the Super Bowl because we got that guy right there. So, you know, they might be a different case. But yeah, this idea that Jerry will do anything to get back here and sell the future of the team, which you don't even have to do because the Eagles certainly haven't, to get back here just isn't the truth anymore. And 
you know, I can't think of two teams that would frustrate him to see more potentially in the Super Bowl than these. You know, the Chiefs, who have been aggressive in free agency and such, and have just consistently done it in a rate that the Cowboys were, even in their dynasty years, you know, weren't necessarily even reaching the championship game as much as the Chiefs are right now. And then, of course, the hated division rival Eagles. So, if all of that plus a second straight playoff loss to the 49ers isn't the motivation that we think it, it might be and it hasn't manifested yet, then we need to stop hearing that you know, Jerry will do anything to get the Cowboys back in Super Bowl weekend. I would argue that he has before, and that's what the 1995 team was, and that's what the collapse of 96 and 97 were, was paying the credit card that was charged to go get Deion Sanders to keep the triplets under contract. And as much of that offensive line and defensive talent that they had, which culminated in victory in Super Bowl 30. So he has done it before. Steven was there too. Uh, you remember Steven Jones threw Jerry up against the wall when he found out that he signed Dion to those terms. And so I think that there's that hesitancy and fear, but I'll go one more on you. And I know we're kind of getting off topic here, so maybe we should save this for another podcast with how the Dallas Cowboys are structured as a business. I don't know that they, that you can afford to have them have collapses the way the Rams have in terms. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. But that's what hurts. Yeah. And so later we'll save that for another podcast, uh, that particular subject. Cause I think Cowboys fans kind of need to know, uh, what bandwagon they're riding, so to speak. Not saying Cowboys fans are bandwagon fans, but just really uh, what this con- you know, this uh, trans-Atlantic uh, flight is like that you're on with the Cowboys as a fan. Um, for my third storyline, I think that would be odious is uh, just all the Odell Beckham Jr. talk. That's just going to be so, just so grating. We're on the same wavelength, partner. I had... Two words typed in my show notes for number three, anything OBJ. I'm, I've am i put out a couple articles on BTB. It's going to be part of a three-part series, so parts one and two are already out. But it's looking at the wide receiver position, which is, again, for the second straight offseason, such a glaring position of need for this team that can really hold them back. So we're, we're talking about it in three parts. We started with uh, some free agents that make sense. We also, you know, of course, reviewed what's already on the roster. We talked about the big season that CDIM had, and then next we're going to go look at some senior bowl receivers that stood out and just the draft prospects in general that they could go after. So really breaking down a position that they just flat out have ignored for too long. And now they need to really, you know, microwave it and get better in a short period of time. So I agree that there is going to be a time, you know, this off season to talk about OBJ. I already did on one of those articles for bloggingtheboys.com. So, you know, it's already here, but yeah, I would agree this week while we still have one more game to cherish for the season before everybody's in a long off season mode, let's put the OBJ talk aside. You know, we can remember what he did in the Super Bowl last year, trying to carry the Rams to a win before, unfortunately, suffering the injury that teams are still weary of. So we can remember that. And that's why it'll be a storyline this week, but It'd be nice to put it aside for just a little while before it really ramps up ahead of free agency. All right, this just in from the IBS News Service. Um, 
there are Micah Parsons highlight clips being played among the montage of 2020 highlight clips at the Ford Center in Frisco, Texas. Uh, this is from the IBS News Service, so I don't know that that's breaking news, though. Well, it's fair enough for Parsons, you know. He's one of the faces of the team that it's going to be here a long time. So we'll take it. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. I get, we'll give it another shot and then uh, we'll see what happens, you know, but I mean, uh, so Sean, what, here's what's going on. So it's the Super Bowl and the Cowboys aren't in it, but the chiefs and the Eagles are, and we touched on it a little bit, but if you had to pick one from each team what do the Chiefs and Eagles have that the Cowboys don't? I think one of the most noticeable things is they're not committed to any running back in the way that you know the Cowboys seem to finally be trying to ease their way out of you know their commitment fully to just pounding Ezekiel Elliott you know twenty thirty times a game and realizing you can't be that back anymore anyway. But you know the financial commitment is certainly still there and. It's not when it, when you comes to the Chiefs or Eagles roster. You know the Chiefs have shout out to Rutgers University Isaiah Pacheco, who stood out as a rookie and really fit this offense well. Jarek McKinnon and whatever's left of Ronald Jones, who I really did like as a draft prospect, but it didn't manifest for him in Tampa Bay. But they've gotten even something out of him just because of you know how balanced that offense is, and of course what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy can do. So Pacheco, McKinnon, and Jones. Is a great trio for the Chiefs and the financial commitment to spread across all that. Pacheco being a rookie on a rookie deal, of course. And so they get it done on the ground on a budget, which is something the Cowboys can take note of. And the Eagles, of course, in their backfield, spent a second round pick on Miles Sanders. So there's some commitment there, but, you know, they still pair him with a Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, three running backs that can all get the job done. And you collectively probably don't have the same cap hit as what the Cowboys are dealing with when it comes to just Ezekiel Elliott and now having to make a big decision on Tony Pollard. All right. Well, we'll have to give you uh, some different kind of, you know, extra credit for how you combine answers there. Uh, I think from the Chiefs, what they have that the Cowboys don't is a dynamic tight end. Now, they may have used to have one under Jason Witten, but I don't think that they got that from Dalton Schultz. But that is what the Kansas City Chiefs have when it comes to Travis Kelsey. Just that completely dynamic tight end. That's what the Cowboys don't. And with regards to the Eagles, I think, like you said um, before, that just commitment to pushing all the chips into the table from a front office standpoint from saying, let's go get it, salary cap is not a concern, we'll deal with it later, and then getting those the, those finishing touches and putting them on the roster to be able to go get it. And I think that's what the Eagles have that the Cowboys don't. Yeah, the free agency and trade aggressiveness you know, really stands out for both teams probably a little bit more in the short term for the Eagles, the way they've gotten here this season. And another thing that was, of course, the incredibly player-friendly schemes that they're running, you know, particularly on the offense where the Cowboys are kind of handcuffing Prescott a bit or at least were and expecting to get a little better in that area under McCarthy. You know, the incredible commitment they make to just get their best players the ball in space and not overthink things and just know how to play to every single one of your strengths. 
as an offense is something that we would love to see more of from the Cowboys, but instead you get to see it on Super Bowl Sunday when it comes to how Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts can sling the ball around. Yeah, and I don't really want to preview that too much. Um, I'm sure that R.J. Ochoa and Brandon Lee Gowton will get into it a little bit on the NFC East mixtape coming up this Wednesday on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. But it is really kind of special, I got to admit, to have two uh, Texas high school quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes from White House, Texas, and then Jalen Hurts from Channel View and have them go at it in Glendale. That, it, that really does speak to just the, the quality of talent that has come out of Texas. But, you know, it used to be that way in the 80s for Western PA. You had Dan Marino and Jim Kelly come out of the Pittsburgh area. So, you know, the uh, the cradle of quarterbacks just kind of shifts throughout the generations. The Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, hotbed for high school talent is certainly still there and something that can be realized up there. But, you know, nothing compares to Texas. Um, bit of a shame to admit how long it took me to myself as a Texas resident now to in Austin to, you know, get to some high school football games. I went like my whole first season down here without getting a chance to check anything out. But this past season, I finally went to, I think it was two playoff games, the second being a blowout that wasn't all that great to see, but, you know, still some good like prospects on the field that I found out about after the fact to, you know, noted that are playing division one football, but the first game I went to was one on a, you know, fourth down, fourth and goal stop late. And I was sitting on the home side with the fans going crazy. So yeah, finally did get to check out a little bit of Friday night lights this season. And it lived up to the full hype that, you know, high school football is just a different breed and a way of life in Texas. It certainly is. And the Dallas Cowboys are just a different uh, team, just a different franchise in general. And I don't know if there's anything else in all of sports that can really compare to uh, just the drama that has always surrounded the team. I think a lot of that uh, really gets provides for a provincial and insular view when it comes to the Cowboys, especially among the fans, because everything is just, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they would do this. It shows that the, the, it's a dysfunctional franchise. They don't know what they're doing. No other team. You know, you hear the uh, no good Scotsman uh, logical fallacy thrown around in terms of how Dallas is terrible and everything. So what we're going to be doing as a public service here on the Hidden Yardage podcast is what we would like to call the other 31. We'll be taking a look at a news headline from the other 31 NFL franchises and making it like what it, how it would be covered here if it were a Dallas Cowboys headline. So this first one, by the way, if you want to submit your own uh, on Twitter, hashtag the other 31 tag me at the real Mark Lane tag Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL. And we'll take a look at it. We'll read it on air. So this one comes from Mark Lane from universe eight, three, two, who shows a, a tweet from the D'Amico Ryan's press conference with the Houston Texans. They hired San Francisco's defensive coordinator as head coach. 
And so Brooks Cabana from the Houston Chronicle tweets, quote, this kind of got lost amidst everything yesterday, but D'Amico Ryan said he hasn't yet decided whether he'll call defensive plays or not. Quote, quoting D'Amico now, when it comes to the play calling plays, we're still working through that, whether I'll call plays or not, haven't made that decision yet, end quote, end quote. Then Stephanie Stradley, who is a columnist um, for the Chronicle, works also appeared in The Athletic. She quote tweets it and says, egoless was a theme, whatever helps winning. Now, Sean Martin, I pose it to you. If a Dallas Cowboys coach in their introductory press conference said that they had yet to make a decision on calling plays, what would happen? Oh, it would be chaos. It would be, you know, bring out every conspiracy theory of, oh, he's just saying that because, you know, he hasn't had the backroom meeting with Jerry yet, that Jerry secretly calls the plays, or it would be, you know, he was only hired under the condition that a certain play caller to be named later is, is coming in. So, yeah, I don't think that would be received all that well just in terms of the history we've had for a while now in Dallas when it comes to, you know, asking ourselves just how much influence the head coach has. And McCarthy is finally starting to break that trend, though. It seems it really does seem that way for the positive that McCarthy is, you know, showing that he has an influence over this front office. But in the Sottenheimer hire, kind of did bring that down just a little bit. And it's going to take, you know, some uncharacteristic moves in free agency or certainly something big in the draft to um, to continue to change that for the better. And then we could still be asking ourselves if we if he waited too long and if he has enough time to fully have that influence pay off on the field enough to where the Joneses are going to keep him around or do they feel like they're set up to clean house, like you mentioned. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, the exact thing that D'Amico said there would be received all that well, to say the least, here in Dallas. Yeah, um, first of all, they they would have pounced on the fact that they're still working through it. Then people would have noticed that, quote, whether I'll call plays or not, haven't made that decision yet. They would notice that the, that before the word haven't, that it didn't say I, or it didn't say because it didn't say I, they'd say, well, then that alludes that Jerry is the one making the decision and it's a puppet coach. Yeah, we've had too much of, you know, the puppet coach in consideration here, whether it was Garrett and then moving on from him to McCarthy, you know, just a long running storyline that needs to be needs to be changed. And like I said, you're starting to see, you know, at least early enough in this offseason, some of those seeds of, of that changing. So, you know, I just hope that's a continued process to really get this front office to stick their neck out and go do things differently. But, you know, I'm not nearly fully convinced yet that we're going to have the type of offseason. I think it'll be, you know, a positive one for the most part. I don't know if it's possible to have the same amount of doom and gloom as we did last year. So it'll be your normal standard positive type of offseason, right? Blowing, you know, a crazy, you know, off-field player incident or any of those things that seem to pop up pretty frequently with the Cowboys. So, We'll keep an eye, you know an ear and an eye on all of that, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like we're set up for the type of off season where we can fully get away from, you know, complaining really about the influence that this front office has and how, in the hypothetical of 
a new coach coming in, how they would be getting in the way of, you know, trying to ask ourselves what this coach is actually going to bring to the table. Well, with regards to McCarthy calling plays, as you alluded to, it, this really is a kind of a bucking of a trend that started under Jason Garrett because Jerry talked about how he wanted a coach who was involved in everything, kind of like a Joe Gibbs, which is why in the beginning of the Garrett era, he liked that Garrett was also the offensive coordinator and the offensive play caller. And then in 2014, when Scott Linehan was hired, then Jerry shifted and he said that he wanted a walk-around coach, someone that touched all parts of the team. Oh, he's got that now. So. Yeah, and now he had it. And now McCarthy is going back to being just someone involved on the offensive side of things. So it's interesting to see how all of this is starting to shift. But as I alluded to, I think that McCarthy after 2020, I think that was the first time Kellen Moore was getting the job offers. Uh, and that was when he got the Boise State one. I think Mike McCarthy knew that Kellen Moore, he was set to coach and, and leave Dallas eventually. So what happened in that hiring cycle? That's when Ben McAdoo shows up in that nebulous, you know, all offensive consultant, uh, analytics or whatever. That's when he showed up in that role. He was the first one to do that. And then McAdoo, he goes, and he's a coordinator for the Carolina Panthers in 2022. But then McCarthy doesn't eliminate that role. He gets Schottenheimer to go sit in it. And that's what I'm saying is I think that this was just inevitable to have a Mike McCarthy lieutenant just eventually succeed Kellen Moore. And I'm fine with going all in on McCarthy specifically as the play caller. That's why, you know, independent of the Schottenheimer hire, when that news broke, it was a general, you know, positive as opposed to the fans who really were, you know, a fan of Kellen Moore and what he brought and they weren't taking it as well. You know, I thought it was a sign of a positive change that they're getting a different voice in here. I just didn't know it was going to come with, you know, McCarthy also having the higher influence to just continue to build this staff and his image and continue to bring in really only his type of guys and keep that type of, you know, tight network that we're so very accustomed to here on the Cowboys coaching staff. So that's what's going to make it difficult to really, you know, understand if we're seeing anything different this next season or if it's just McCarthy, if, if it's the McCarthy show, but not getting the job done, well then, you know, the list of coaches that you're going to have to potentially evaluate and, you know, consider moving on from just grows from there. So, all right, breaking news from the IBS News Service. Uh, Cowboys offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer will breathe in oxygen and then exhale carbon dioxide when using the headset during games. Again, Brian Schottenheimer will breathe in oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide when communicating on headset during games. Uh, 
I don't know, Sean. This IBS news service isn't really helping. I say scrap it. Yeah, we need a new bulletin or something. Uh, can we get Schottenheimer to wear one of those, like, Marshall and Lynch? Uh, remember those mask things he used to wear? Like the valve on the side? Some other players ended up picking it up, too. But I think Marshall and Lynch is the most notable. But he had, like, some weird mask of, like, a bunch of valves that were supposed to help with, you know, pregame warm-up breathing or something along those lines. So if he was wearing one of those, I'd be intrigued. But if uh, the news bulletin conveniently left that out, so... We'll wait to find out. Yeah, this is junk. I, I think we'll just let the news continue to uh, just uh, rearrange our rundowns whenever it happens. We'll just have to live with it. Roll the changes, my friend. We'll... All right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays on Monday, and I chose this one. Man, nothing for the REO Speedwagon reference? Well, for what? REO Speedwagon? I mean, I know it's kind of a deep like a reference that came out of nowhere. But I don't even know what REO Speedwagon is. Oh, you're killing me! Like British Invasion rock band. My 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 focus group even uh, didn't couldn't believe I didn't know what that was. Well then, wait. So you've already been called out before for not knowing, and then you didn't like, and then you just didn't bother to learn for the next time this would come up. Well, you don't understand. Our podcast also is being listened to by a focus group that I can see through the glass on the other side. You never really knew this, but I knew this. And they all just could not believe I didn't know what the, what it was. Well, I'm good. I'm, I'm with your focus group. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I guess I got homework to do. All right. But let's go ahead and get some Cowboys birthdays I, on Monday. And I picked this one. Because everybody likes that TV show. So, you know, the last name, I figured they'd like it. John Dutton, defensive tackle for the Cowboys from 1980 to 87. He turned 72 years old. He wasn't born in Montana. He was born in Rapid City, South Dakota. And then on Wednesday, Leighton Vander Esch, he turned the linebacker who's been here since 2018. He turns 27 years old. On Thursday, Danny White. Turned 71 years old. Can you believe it? Yeah, the son of Wizard White, who was a long-suffering quarterback for the Cowboys from 76 to 88. He turned 71. And on Friday, Daryl Johnston, fullback. He was with the team from 89 to 99. Blocked for Emmett Smith. He turns 57 years old. And on Saturday, Barry Church, who was a safety from 2010 to 2016, and is now... With DC.com and their just elaborate media operation, he turns 35 years old. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. I'm back to Leighton Van Der Esch, who really had a resurgent season, of course, and now is you know, a player that maybe at one point you were considering being able to move on from this year and needing to get better there. And now I think we all don't want to imagine what this defense would be without him. And he shot himself up to the list of you know high-priority free agents that feels like you know, there would be some mutual type of agreement that he would want to be back as well as opposed to really testing the open market. So we'll see about that and hope the Cowboys can get a deal done. And he'll always be a player that, you know, I kind of have an appreciation for because my first ever time stepping foot in Texas was to go to the 2018 NFL draft where he was, of course, the Cowboys' first selection, became, you know, the first Cowboys player to get drafted in the stadium that he'll play in. It was at AT&T Stadium. He gets drafted, and he's already in the stadium he was going to play on. And, of course, he went upstairs and did his media availability, which was really cool to be a part of and, you know, one of my first big media things to be a part of before doing all this. So, 
yeah, some great memories there with Van Der Es, and then of course uh, former guard Connor Williams was a second round pick, and he was also in attendance for that draft. So got to interview both of them, and uh, you know some great history points there on uh, Danny White and you know the Cowboys uh, quarterback history. Yeah, and I got a Daryl Johnston story for you. So you know he, he lives in Dallas and everything. I thought that he really kept up the team, and you know he does for Fox. He does a good job. But in this one little specific, you know, picky unit area, uh, I asked him because it was 2015 and the Dallas Cowboys signed undrafted rookie fullback from LSU, J.C. Copeland, you know. And so I asked him, what do you think about J.C. Copeland? And he's like, uh, you got to make the team first before I know who you are. So I, I'll, I'll always remember that. And that's. When I learned that, uh, you know, not to ask a bunch of picky questions of three-time Super Bowl champions. Much like Tony Romo, he had his uh, homework assignment cut out for him in that, in that scenario. Well, I mean, is it really homework, though? When, like, I don't, like, J.C. Copeland would have had to have become the homework. I don't even think he was homework yet. That's kind of the point. Well, your homework assignment is to go listen to, and I'm dropping it in our Slack right now, your homework assignment is to listen to at least one Oreo Speedwagon song by next week. So I got to do that, and I got to... Just remember, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fist. Yeah. I got to eat a pork roll sandwich. I got to do this. I, I got so many things I have to do to be cultured, right? What if, what, what if we combine those, though? What if you had the sandwich at a diner that was playing Oreo Speedwagon? All right, here, I let me raise it to you. Can I get out of eating a pork roll sandwich? Only Not because I think it's going to be gross or anything, but it's just, you know, actually getting one. Can I get out of it if I ask Dan Quinn and Jason Garrett what it's called to settle the debate with Jesse Holly? If at least one of them, I should say both, but I'll be, I guess, nice for a second. If at least one of them is on my side and says pork roll, then I would accept that and be happy and then yes you can again i don't know why you'd want to get out of it it's delicious and you should want to get the sandwich and we still will uh when you're back in the in the dallas area to to go do that but yes we can slightly let you off the hook if you can get garrett or quinn to agree on the right side of things in that it's pork roll and not taylor ham all right that sounds like a deal i will listen to uh whatever this music is you want me to before the (laughs) before the next hidden yardage where can folks find you on twitter Hey, I'm Matt, Sean Martin, NFL. Some great chats for some fans this week uh, chiming in, so I always appreciate that. Keep your off-season draft and anything football-related questions coming in. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage Podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher, part of the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. So there it is. Yeah.